In the last episode on the future of smart homes, I talked about how three companies, Honeywell, Nest, and Echobee, reimagined the thermostat by first connecting it to a network, allowing for remotely controlling the thermostat from a smartphone, and then enabling it to sense the presence of people and adjust the temperature accordingly. The three companies share similar visions of the role of the smart thermostat, and the winner will be determined by whichever company continuously iterates to develop the most user-friendly device and is able to exploit the best distribution channels. In this episode, the topic is smart lighting, and who the winner will be is far from obvious. That's because it's not yet clear what the best way is to implement smart lights in the home. Let's start with the benefits of having your lights on your home's network. The obvious use case is when you're away from home, you can turn your lights on or off. But you can also imagine how a really smart system knows that when you get into bed, it should turn off the lights in the rest of your house. Or you can imagine how in a security context, if a sensor on the outside of your house notices suspicious movement, it might turn on the lights. Unlike the smart thermostat space, in the case of lighting, the fight for supremacy won't simply be a function of the user interface or distribution. Instead, the winner in smart lighting actually might be based on the company possessing the right vision determining the topology of your entire lighting system. What do I mean by that? On your ceiling in your living room, you likely have a light bulb that sits in a light fixture. A wire runs from the light fixture to a switch in your wall. From the switch, imagine another wire that runs to your circuit breaker in the basement. That's my top to bottom description. Let's reverse that and go bottom to top, tracing the architecture as we map the path of electricity moving throughout your home. Electricity runs from the street into your basement circuit breaker. From the circuit breaker, the electricity runs to your switch. When it's set to the on position, the switch can pass through that electricity to the fixture in the ceiling, which powers your bulb. If this topic of lighting hasn't already put you to sleep, let's ask two questions. First, how do you imagine you'll turn on your lights in the future? And second, what seems like the simplest way to connect your lighting to the network? Today you walk into a room and if you want the lights on, you'll flick or press a switch on the wall. How should this work? Would you find it easier to take out your phone, open an app, and turn on the light from there? Maybe not if you're walking into the room and you have to dig your phone out of your pocket. But more likely, if you're sitting on the couch and too lazy to get up, well, that could be a particularly useful instance of where you might want to tell your Amazon Echo, Alexa, turn on the light. What if the room just knew you were in it and turned on the light for you? Could we ever get to a place where there would be no light switch in the wall and the home would simply understand our intentions before we articulated them? You are listening to Predicting Our Future. I'm Andrew Weinrich. This podcast explores current industries that are ripe for massive disruption, as well as some of the most exciting opportunities for entrepreneurs to explore. This is the fourth episode in a series about the future of the smart home and my prediction that in the near future, the smart home will change the way you live. In the last episode, I examined how an industry titan was able to maintain its lead in the smart thermostat space and what this meant for other smart home players. In this episode, I'll speak with some of the biggest companies in smart lighting and explore why the winner of this space is far from obvious. How big of a business is the smart lighting space? By 2022, the total smart lighting market is expected to reach $19.47 billion, and the global light switch industry is expected to be $6.25 billion. If you're retrofitting a home and you want to connect your lights to the network, it would seem logical for you to do this by replacing the box that contains your light switch to include some receiver and transmitter within the switch, 
so that you can control the switch remotely. The market leader in light switches and dimmers in the United States is a company called Lutron. Neil Orchowski is Lutron's product development manager for strategic alliances. Caseta Wireless is the name of their lighting control product line. If you think of, you know, the original dimmer that our founder patented back, you know, around 1960, which was that rotary dimmer on the wall that everyone's familiar with from, you know, their grandparents, you know, chandelier in the dining room. Um, but that that business from a residential lighting control perspective grew from there um, into larger home applications, then into commercial uh, with energy saving opportunities, which is obviously a huge part of lighting control. And we've grown that to now a global business. Caseta actually is relatively new. If you look at the grand scheme of things, that's, I guess, around 2014 when we started launching that into the marketplace, you know, with 2015 being the first time that, you know, I guess a HomeKit enabled product, you know, through Caseta came to the market for lighting control and we've been growing it ever since. Let's talk about how, how that works. So can you walk me through the different components and what the integration looks like? Caseta consists of a few basic building blocks. So you have your dimmers, right? Which would be replacing, you know, the, the standard switch that you have in the wall. We have dimmers, we have switches. They all communicate wirelessly through what Lutron calls our clear connect wireless technology. So that would be like, you know, like a Wi-Fi or a Bluetooth or a, a Zigbee or Z-Wave. Zigbee and Z-Wave are wireless communication protocols similar to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, except that the transmitters and receivers require very little power. From there, you kind of start your smart home with Caseta with what we call our Pico wireless controls, which is a wireless remote control that happens to also mount to the wall inside that same wall plate that you might use for your dimmer. So if you want to add a three-way location for controlling your lights from anywhere else in the room or in the home, you add this Pico to the wall, put a, a wall plate around it, and now you've created a smart three-way application that didn't require calling an electrician, pulling wire, cutting drywall, et cetera. So for some people, that's smart. The way that works is if I did not have a third switch somewhere else, it's essentially a relay. It's essentially patching in a, another termination that allows me, as opposed to connecting directly to the light, is communicating with this dimmer and giving it instructions. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. So imagine a hallway where you know you, you come in from your front door and there's a switch at the start of the hallway and you walk down that hallway to where let's say your bedrooms are and maybe it wasn't wired to have a switch there but that's really where you want to control the light and turn the lights back off so you don't have to walk all the way down to the end of the hallway well you could hire an electrician to pull wires and install you know an analog switch there or use this pico remote control which is wire-free battery powered um, 10-year battery life that then wirelessly communicates to that dimmer at the other, other end of the hall, providing you that easy, convenient, new control of your lights. What if you have guests visiting your home and the, your guests don't have um, an app where you can control your lights through the app? Well, when they walk out that door, they want to be able to push a button. The Caseta wireless product line also works with voice activation. Once you want to connect more than just that remote, then you connect to what we call the um, the Lutron Smart Bridge. So it's something that connects your local network, so your your Wi-Fi router with a wired Ethernet connection to the Lutron Bridge, which effectively converts Lutron's wireless technology over to your home network. So now you can tie in all sorts of things like an Apple TV for HomeKit integration, like Amazon Alexa, like Google Home. As Neil acknowledged, smart lighting is much more than the ability to remotely turn on or off your lights. For lighting to be smart, it needs to anticipate when you want to have your lights turned on or off and adjust them accordingly. 
through the Lutron app, you can enable what we call schedules. So typical schedules would be, uh, you know, turn on your lights at sunset, uh, turn them off at sunrise. And, you know, that can automatically adjust throughout the seasons as the, you know, the position of the sun changes. You know, you want your lights to come on actually when the sun goes down, not a fixed amount of time. Or we can do it based on a fixed amount of time. So in my home, I have the lights turn on at sunset. Then I have most of the outside lights turn off at midnight, but then leave one light out on the front porch just, you know, throughout the night. So I'm not, you know, using energy the entire night with all of my exterior lighting and in the morning eventually turn it off once, once the sun comes up. There are other use cases for smart lighting. So we have a concept of home or away within the Lutron Caseta system where based on uh, geofencing technology, so the presence of your phone, or by integrating with other brands such as working with Nest, where the Nest thermostat knows if you're home or away, um, or other products like a Samsung SmartThings knows if you're home or away. We can, we can have the lights more intelligently know if you're in the home and do things a little bit differently. So one great example is we have something called Smart Away, where if the Lutron system knows that you're away, you can automatically have your lights turn on in the evening, you know, once once it's dark out, to make it actually look like someone's home it's being lived in. And then take that another level further, let's say you tie in something like a Nest Cam. If that Nest Cam sees a physical person in or around your home, it can then turn on even more lights to basically deter that person from coming in, make it look like your home, scare them away, or just you know give you that peace of mind that while you're away, something's looking after your home. You might think a startup would be crazy to compete directly with the market leader in switches that is as forward-leaning as Lutron, but that's exactly what Deco, based in Seattle, is doing. Deco has raised just under $9 million and differentiates itself from Lutron in its modular approach to the light switch, as well as their use of Bluetooth to create a relay network of sorts for your lights. Derek Richardson is the co-founder and CEO. Every switch has got Bluetooth inside. They go from switch to switch and then ultimately to your smartphone or your tablet or your desktop computer. Uh, and the idea is that you would have to be proximate or within Bluetooth range of a switch to control it from your phone. But if you had enough of these switches in your house and there was a relay from one to the other, you could manipulate or you could turn on and off the lights from one room even if you were in another. Is that right? Exactly. Bluetooth, when you're doing small amounts of data and it's not battery powered, like in a light switch, you can get about 150 feet of range. And then there's you know lots of switches. It creates a mesh network, kind of like the internet of computers where data hops from one switch to the next. So a command like turn off all the lights when I go to bed at night, you can hit it from your phone or from a switch and it turns off all of them instantly. Basically, we've taken a light switch and we've broken it up into two pieces instead of a single piece. There's a piece that's permanently installed into the wall where a regular light switch would be installed, okay? And then there's the piece that's the actual switch functionality, you know, toggling the light on and off, dimming the light, um, having in wireless technology in there so it's connected. And that's a modular piece for us. And so we make several different light switches that all plug into the same modular base. So now it's effectively a connector that is in every room in your house. And we make the first three products that plug into that. You know, we do a, a regular light switch that's not smart at all, that only costs a few dollars. We, we make a smart switch that's connected and plugs into the software ecosystems of Amazon and Google and eventually other players like 
Apple and Wink and these other formats. And then we also make a smart dimmer. So it's smart and connected, but you can now dim any type of light, not just in a connected LED bulb, but any type of bulb. Um, and then you, what I'm talking about is building other technologies that can plug into that connector. That's a hardware platform, but now you can put in a motion sensor, you can put in a camera, you can put in a microphone, you can put in all these different things, right? So we're a hardware platform, whereas Apple is a software platform. Where Derek thinks his competitors have gone wrong is not anticipating that the switches will require updates as technology improves. What I think is going to change is that because we're starting to deploy technology in the home, people are going to need a way to be able to service that technology in a more affordable, effective way. So I, I do believe that a modular approach like what we're doing is the way of the future because it simply doesn't make sense, right? That if you're permanently installing technology in your home that you know is going to be out of date within a few years or at most 10 years when the technology wears out because, you know, electronics and things can't last forever. And yet that home is going to exist for 100 years. Like, why would you sign up to be paying some installer, some worker to come back to your house every few years for all this technology in your home? It doesn't make economic sense. Think of in your car, you had that GPS that's installed in your car and like you have no way of servicing that. You have no way of updating it to the latest displays, the latest technology, you know, the services, all that kind of stuff. And yet that car is going to last for 20 years, right? Now what you do is you put your iPhone in front of your GPS because it can be updated wirelessly through software instantly. And your iPhone is changing every year or year and a half that can add more features and more hardware. We began this episode by imagining what the future topology of lighting would look like in the home, and specifically, whether we could implement a lighting solution where there was no switch. This is the scenario where the only way to turn on or off a light is from an app or from voice activation. Alexa, turn off the lights. For those of you who have Sonos already in your homes, you probably know that there is no physical switch to turn off the music. You run the music completely from their app. This created an awkward situation for a friend of mine who was having guests at his home over the summer. They decided to go to sleep while he went out with friends for drinks. The problem was that he left them with the music, his bad and loud music, playing in every room. And because they weren't familiar with Sonos and they didn't know that they needed to download an app to turn off the music or even lower the volume, they were left listening to his music until 4 a.m. when he came home. Now imagine that lighting companies used a similar implementation. No physical switch for the lights. You could only control them through an app. Would these guests have had to sleep with the lights on? What if the lights were off and the fire department came to investigate a problem while you weren't home? They would need to use flashlights. Let's punt on that problem for now and consider that if you put a Wi-Fi chip in a light bulb or within a lighting fixture that could communicate with your network and an app, it would have the benefit of a dramatically simpler installation. To install this type of bulb, you literally unscrew the existing bulb and screw in the new bulb. While Lutron and Deco solutions aren't overly complicated, you still need an electrician unless you want to risk unscrewing a wall plate and replace the existing switch in the wall with these new smart switches. If you screw in a smart bulb, it doesn't mean that you have to get rid of the switch. It just means that you don't have to use the switch because you can also control the bulb over your network. 
Two of the companies that are making light bulbs that work exactly this way are G Lighting and Philips Lighting. G Lighting and Philips Lighting are both confident in the power of a lighting solution that does not require a smart switch, which makes them competitors with their partner Lutron, the leading maker of switches. They also believe that if you're building a new home, it will be cheaper and easier to install the smart switches during construction. I interviewed someone from each company to understand the products they were selling, as well as to understand whether their solutions presented a real threat to Lutron and Deco. Jeff Patton is the general manager of Connected Home Products within GE Lighting. We launched into the connected space uh, with our second generation of products we call C by GE uh, about a year ago in 2016. We've launched um, a set of smart bulbs. They are Bluetooth, low energy enabled. And our strategy really there was really around uh, giving people that first taste of the smart home without a hub. So these are, these are controlled directly via one's phone and an app. We're rolling out a uh, connected uh, table lamp that actually has the Alexa voice service embedded in the table lamp. So it's got speakers, mic, um, Wi-Fi streaming, all integrated in that unit. That'll be coming out in the early fall. We're also launching our version of a bridge, which will enable our, um, our connected uh, bulbs out there to be controlled out of home, to give you more of that sort of level two experience out there from a, a smart home perspective. And I think I also skipped over those, those two bulbs that we have. One is uh, what you might think of as your typical LED bulb that's on, off, dim. The other one that we call Sea uh, Sleep, the first one, Sea Life. Sea Sleep is really focused on enabling one's uh, sleep cycles. So that really has some of the color extremes of the sun, which really help uh, one manage their melatonin levels so they can optimize their sleep. Um, in the evening, you want to go to more of an amber color that allows melatonin to rush in. Uh, in the morning, you want to go to more of a, a high blue color that enables suppression of melatonin. Um, so between all these different products out there um, is really sort of our first major step into uh, this new and evolving smart home space. I wondered, did this mean that GE Lighting no longer believed in the future of a light switch? When we started down this journey, uh, one hypothesis I had was that we could really sort of liberate ourselves from the light switch. And I think that by having uh, this first level that's controlled by your phone, it does give you a certain independence from that. Uh, you can use your phone essentially as, as a remote control. And as we've rolled out scheduling, uh, that takes it gives you another degree of freedom from the light switch. The lights will come on and off. Our in-home studies that we've done have shown that um, there's still value in having a light switch of sorts. But I think how we define that switch and its utility is certainly changing. Uh, it's, it's not the switch that we've had for the last 100 years. This is your one way to control your lighting in a space uh, when you walk in and out. Now you have all these options between the remote control, I'm saying your phone is, um, to a schedule, as we roll out uh, more elements out there, uh, you get more on-demand control via voice and things like that. I thought the best example of G Lighting's forward-looking functionality was in their product called Soul. I interviewed Jeff just before the launch of Soul at the end of September. You can now buy this product on Amazon.
I mentioned um, the table lamp that, that we're launching shortly that's called Soul. We have a partnership there with Amazon Alexa. So we've, we've integrated our mics and speakers and such that we can enable the um, Amazon Alexa voice service uh, through our product. Uh, so unlike some other uh, systems that may be out there that offer a compatibility where you need to use um, a, um, the, uh, a, an echo or a dot or other systems like that, here it's a, it's a full integration within that. But again, it's, it's worked as a partnership. Is that the first instance of Amazon's operating system being deployed in the home without a, a standalone device from Amazon? It's the first time uh, in the lighting category. There are some other, a couple other players that are also in, in, in the mix that are doing it in other categories. So with that, let's, let's morph from the idea of just giving a smart bulb to giving a smart fixture, a table lamp as it is. Let's be bold out there given that, you know, this is a progressive consumer that's out there that's really an early adopter in many ways. Let's give them the kind of table lamp that, that they're really seeking out that also has this amazing uh, voice control integration. So it really becomes an all-in-one control point for them in their home that has incredible lighting technology, including sleep technology, we put a graphical clock around it, graphical timers. If you may know from the voice assistants these days, timers and so forth are one of the, one of the top use of them, but also enables all the voice and the encyclopedic knowledge and so forth you get with Alexa all in this one unit that we think not only is elegant for people, but for some people it really is a simplification because you don't need to have a separate bridge, a separate bulb, a separate table lamp, a separate voice assistant. You have this one element, one product we call Soul. And all of that intelligence for Soul, the timer or, or dimming capabilities, all of that intelligence is written by GE. Other than voice recognition, you're not leveraging and voice interpretation, you're not leveraging any of that intelligence from Alexa. Correct. That's right. The clock and everything is coming from us. Alexa and Amazon are looking to improve the, um, the penetration of their systems in homes. Uh, for us, we're working to improve consumer experiences and drive the penetration of our products also throughout home. So we work with them in this case. It's, it's, it's a mutual benefit. Work with other partners out there in, in, in other applications. We think we'll, we, we can drive more and more mutual benefits and, and ultimately consumer benefits. Let's contrast GE Lighting with Philips Lighting. The latter also has a smart bulb, but you're really supposed to use the bulb with a bridge that comes from Philips. Unlike GE Lighting's smart light bulb, you can't just screw in a smart light bulb from Philips Lighting and begin turning on and off the light from an app on your phone without buying any other of Philips components. Sridhar Kumaraswamy is the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Hugh Home Systems, the smart lighting solution from Philips Lighting. We began by talking about how the entire smart product line called Philips Hue works. The architecture is such that you always need the hub. It does three different things. So it actually manages the Zigbee network, uh, the network which uh, controls the light points. It acts as a bridge between the Zigbee network and the IP side, and then acts as a gateway to the internet. And then perhaps most importantly, it has what I keep referring to as our lighting operating system. It has our logic, which actually uh, enables users to uh, get their lights to respond to what they would define as their personal lighting experiences. So the hub is absolutely essential and you have to commission all our lighting products and the switches using the hub. 
If you're not yet confused by how the different players in the lighting space work and compete with one another, you should be. Here is a partner of Lutron that is also competing with Lutron in the smart lighting space. Within our team, I mean, we have this debate, okay, as to where this is headed. But what, the conclusion that we are coming down to is switches, as we see it right now, wall switches uh, uh, are not going to disappear anytime soon. Okay, we, are, we don't see that. We don't see in the medium term, and when I talk about medium term, I'm not looking at a horizon of next five to seven years. We don't see that accelerating, this disappearance of all switches, which then would mean that the Lutrons of this world have a role to play. Okay, and the question is what kind of role? And from our standpoint, we are asking ourselves, how do you actually collaborate? What would be an appropriate collaboration strategy with the switch, switch manufacturers, uh, uh, which will then enable us to uh, deliver what we want to focus, which is the light experience part. The thing that came across most vividly in my interview with Philips Lighting was their focus on building intelligence in the cloud for a smart lighting solution. Sridhar describes this intelligence in the form of what he calls scenes. The number one question was, what is it that we can actually do more than merely flipping on and off a light point, which is what people have been doing for more than 100 years, right? And uh, when we thought of uh, offering a wirelessly controlled lighting system, we felt that it needs to be having a certain set of compelling features which makes lighting personalized in the context of a home, in the context of people living in the home. And the team went about assessing what would those features be. And we actually started a program. We understand that light impacts life, light impacts human life uh, psychologically, physiologically. So we started off with a set of what we referred to as light recipes for energizing, relaxing, reading, and concentrating, and so on, um, with default settings thereof. So this is one set of ability uh, which is pre-configured in the system, which users can readily access. And next has to do with being able to personalize a given scene. Imagine you've had a great uh, uh, birthday party and if you want to recall uh, a memory from that particular party, you have pulled out a picture in your, from your camera roll and use that as a default background for setting the scene in your living room. Or if you've had a romantic weekend out and you've taken a picture uh, in a park full of uh, beautiful flowers, you can use that as a background for setting the scene in a living room and save that as your default scene and you can recall it as and when you find it appropriate. And the third set was uh, being able to control the lights when you're outside your home. And that has two dimensions to it. One, the geofencing dimension. So when you approach within a certain perimeter, uh, the lights in your home go on and they welcome you home. And the other one has to do with uh, the ability to schedule those lights when you're uh, vacationing so that it mimics your presence. So these are the set of features with which we started off here. And they uh, gave a certain set of features with which we can actually launch the system. So the scene element is one of the four important use cases. Just so I understand, I'm trying to take that visualization you just provided. I'm in the park, I see these beautiful flowers. What would the, how does that manifest itself in my home? What would the scene look like? How do you adjust the the lights to capture? You're not projecting an image, are you? No, we are not projecting an image, but it is uh, the system just distributes the different light points in a given room uh, to be consistent with the different vivid colors in a given picture. Uh, alternatively, you, you, I mean, if you are imaginative enough, which was more often than the case uh, uh, with our um, original adopters of the system. So they actually configured the different lights in a, in a zone or in a room uh, to what they preferred 
uh, as a setting, and then they stored the resultant um, uh, image of that room as a scene. So that's also possible. And we know our most avid users have as many as uh, more than a dozen scenes stored in their system uh, for uh, appropriate recall. So the focus of Philip seems right. I would bet that scenes, or some other word to describe exactly what Shridhar calls scenes, will play a role in the future of every smart home. But the real question is whether Philips Lighting or GE Lighting will enjoy the market power to control this type of intelligence in the future. When I think of the value chain in any industry, I try to focus on where the highest value will attach because that's the place that is usually the most defensible. In the case of lighting, who is building the most important piece of the entire puzzle? Is it the manufacturer of the light bulb? The manufacturer of the switch? The manufacturer of the bridge that the switch connects to? Or is it the company that ultimately builds the intelligence in the cloud that is able to divine who the person is in the room and what lighting is appropriate for her? The highest piece in the value chain has to be this cloud intelligence. And when it comes to intelligence, I suggested to Sridhar that the companies that Philips should worry about are other companies that they were also cooperating with, namely the makers of home operating systems, Google, Amazon, Apple, Samsung, Wink, and Microsoft. Sridhar didn't share my concern. What we believe is given our understanding of uh, how lighting impacts people, we will always be able to have a rich set of uh, lighting experiences uh, um, uh, which would be unique for you. Okay, and there would be no incentive on the part of uh, a, a smart home system, which is uh, cutting across multiple verticals to go so deep into a given vertical. Amazon has a platform, not just for products that, that they provide, uh, but that third parties provide selling on their platform. And there's, you know, the suggestions that Amazon studies the performance of those products. And then over time, white labels or produces their own products that compete with the very companies that are on their platform. That would be the analog. And in the case of Google, they already, you know, with the acquisition of Nest and Dropcam and and smoke detectors. I mean, don't these companies have a track record of cooperating with other businesses and then choosing to compete with them directly over time? Sure, and I think we also have a track record of doing exactly that, right? And I think uh, in the limited period of time that we've been around, so five years, uh, uh, Hugh has done exactly that. And I think uh, I don't see that as uh, necessarily unhealthy. So if everything that we actually uh, bring to the party as a lighting company with our understanding of how we can actually bring rich lighting experiences that go beyond just straightforward automation or recalling of scenes. I'm not talking about the multi-device scenes which you referred to. Uh, and if we can't uh, get users to uh, think about purely lighting-centric rich experiences, uh, then obviously we run the risk of commoditization. You're right, okay? But we are of the belief that we are so far ahead of the curve in terms of uh, offering rich lighting experiences, which only the Hue system is capable of delivering in a compelling way, uh, that we are confident of collaborating with these platforms. Isn't their vision, the Winks, the, you know, the Apples, the Google Homes, is that you don't think about lighting. Lighting, you know, there's, there's other categories where lighting is important. For example, security. Isn't their whole vision that they develop these over time, they develop these personas about people. The, the way that you affect a desired result with people, whether it's with 
uh, lighting or music or air quality or um, or any one of a of hundred touch points in the home is you understand functionally what someone's trying to achieve. And then there's this interplay of settings from many, many different verticalized appliances, devices. I'm wondering whether you think that gives them a competitive advantage over time that because they're looking at it from this multivariable perspective where they can manipulate factors, you know, in a, in a hundred different places, these operating systems. And, and I'm wondering whether you think about that from Philips, whether these big companies represent a threat um, over time to the very companies that they're asking to cooperate with them to build a holistic experience. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a threat. I mean, I want to come back to the point of saying, like, the way we look at it is uh, their platforms are, oh, so let's call them the highest common factors across different verticals. So that is the way we see it. Okay. Uh, uh, we don't see them as systems which are capable of, let's say, combining dynamic lighting experiences or rich, immersive, entertainment-oriented uh, lighting experiences. Uh, we don't see those kind of capabilities being readily uh, available on their roadmaps or on their radar. We don't see it as it stands right now. And, uh, and we have a list of these kind of rich lighting experiences on our roadmap, which we believe is going to be relevant from a consumer standpoint. And I think that is where uh, I'm, I'm mostly focused on. If, if there is going to be relevance and if we are ahead of the game in terms of uh, lighting vertical, it is possible for us to collaborate knowing fully well that uh, there is going to be a set of features which might increasingly uh, move into this highest common factor. But it is likely to be a highest common factor. There is no incentive on a, a horizontal platform to move so deeply into the specifics of a given vertical. Unless they become like Google and they decide we're just going to build a thermostat or, or buy one or we're going to build or buy a camera, which I would not have expected, you know, five years ago, I would certainly not have expected Google to be in the thermostat business. Yeah, and I think uh, they can always choose to do that. I mean, one look at their balance sheet and it'll tell you what they're capable of doing. So, uh, and if they want to buy, they can buy anybody. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't have to guess what the companies building what Shridhar calls horizontal operating systems are going to do. In the next episode, I interview two of the leading players that are building operating systems in the smart home space, Amazon and Wink. After those interviews, hopefully you'll be able to form your own perspective on whether these companies will be a friend or foe to all of the device manufacturers they're working with. Tune into the next episode in the series about the future of the smart home, where I'll talk to Amazon and Wink about who's going to win the operating system race and consider what it means to have artificial intelligence in the home. If you'd like to learn more about the people featured in this podcast, go to predictingourfuture.com and don't forget to subscribe. This is Predicting Our Future.